Hey, well, welcome to worship at Calvary this morning. We are so glad that you have joined us wherever you are at, whether you're in the chapel or you're at our Minnetonka campus, or maybe you're watching somewhere else online. We're so glad that we can join together and worship Jesus uh, wherever we are at. Uh, We take a moment in all of our worship experiences where we have the opportunity and privilege of investing into God's Mission. Now, I don't know if you've seen at stores recently, but there are already school supplies out there, which means summer is going quickly. And it also means that we're coming to the end of our fiscal year as a church. And so we want to finish the year strong. God is doing some amazing things in and through Calvary, and we've got great plans as we transition into this fall and into the new year. And so if you brought a gift that you'd like to invest into Jesus's mission, it's super easy to do so. If you are worshiping with us in person, you can just drop it off in one of the offering boxes on your way out, or you can always give at calvary.org slash give. And, you know, maybe you've never given before. Well, if you go to our website, it is super easy and convenient to get set up with giving there. So thank you so much for your investment into God's mission and your partnership in what he's doing through this church. Now, I also have another announcement I want to share with you before we get into the message today. And that is we're going to have a congregational meeting in two weeks on Sunday, July 31st. And the reason for this meeting is we're going to have the opportunity to affirm two things. Now, the first is really exciting. The council, our church council, has unanimously recommended that we call Dagny Lemunyan as our new pastor of traditional worship and care. Now, many of you know Dagny. She is currently on staff as our guest experience director. And many of you have gotten to know her and to love her. And so she just graduated from Bethel Seminary over in St. Paul with a Master of Divinity degree. And so we're excited for this opportunity to call her as a pastor to our church. And to do that, we need to vote as a congregation and affirm that call. So we'll be doing that on July 31st. And then also we're going to vote on selling a residential lot that is attached to the Minnetonka campus. And we also need to vote as a congregation to do that. Now there's a ton more information and background about the, both of these things on our website. So you can just go to calvary.org meeting and you can find out everything that you wanna know. There was also a letter that went out to members this last week. And so again, put down on your calendar on Sunday, July 31st, it'll be a congregational meeting at both campuses and you'll have the opportunity really to vote anytime throughout the morning. So it'll be convenient for you. And this is for members of Calvary. So we are kind of on the back end of a series that we've been in on the fruit of the spirit. And we're calling this series Summer Fruit. And it comes from something that the apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. He gives a list of the fruit of the spirit. It's things that the Holy Spirit produces within us when we follow Jesus. 
You see, when you come to Christ, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's his presence living in us. And as we talked about last week, every fruit has a root, right? If you have an apple or an orange or you know, some delicious fruit, it didn't just come out of nowhere. It grew on a tree. It, it, it grew up because there were roots in the ground that were feeding it nutrients so that it could grow. And so the root within us as Christians is the Holy Spirit, which grows up and produces fruit within us. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And so now today, I wanna look at the next fruit, which is faithfulness. The Holy Spirit wants to produce faithfulness in us. So years ago, on August 17th, 2002, my wife Lexi and I in Bloomington, Minnesota at a church right on France Avenue, we stood up in front of a congregation, a bunch of our family and our friends and stood before God and we made promises to each other and we committed to share our lives together and we entered into a covenant that we call marriage. And in that moment, we became husband and wife. And if I'm doing my math correctly, that means in about exactly a month, we will have celebrated 20 years together. But you know, when you make promises in a wedding ceremony, there's something that changes in a moment. You go from a dating relationship to a marriage relationship. And it's often something I like to talk to pre-marriage couples about. I like to ask them, you know, what is going to change in that moment? You know, from when you go from dating, which is kind of one state of mind, to being married, which is a completely different thing. What changes? What's going to be different about your relationships? Now, you know, when you're in a dating relationship, the thing is you always have the opportunity to opt out if you want to. There's kind of always an escape hatch. You know, if circumstances change, if things get difficult along the way, if maybe there's a conflict that arises or, you know, unfortunately, sometimes maybe somebody else enters the picture. When you're in a dating relationship, there's an opportunity to get out. Now, when we get married, when there's a marriage, it's a covenant and covenants are meant to be forever. And so even when things get rough, even when conflicts arise, even when circumstances change, we still stay together. You know, at the core of every successful marriage is faithfulness and commitment to each other. Now, it would be a terrible thing to get married to someone, but then decide to keep operating like you're still dating. You know, to think, well, you know, maybe something else better will come up. Maybe another person will enter the scene. You know, that's not being fully committed and it will not lead to long-term success. Now, here's the thing, church. I think there are many people today who just want to date Jesus. Right? They love the idea of Jesus dying for their sins. They love the idea of someday going to heaven to be with him but they want to live their life like they're just casually dating Jesus along the way. You know, if something better comes along, 
Well, they want to have the option to go do that thing. Or, you know, maybe they're, they're more content to say, Jesus, I'll give you a little fraction, a little piece of my life. You know, Jesus, you can have Sunday mornings, you know, maybe Wednesday evenings, but I want the rest. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. I want to hang on to my habits and I want to hang on to the things that I want to prioritize with my life. But the thing, church, is that we're not called to just casually date Jesus. The Bible again and again and again likens our relationship with him with a marriage. That we are called to be faithful to him, to be completely committed to him. And it's this kind of faithfulness that provides a foundation for everything in our life. In fact, all of the other fruits of the spirit flow from a foundation of being faithful to Jesus. So how do we define faithful, the fruit of being faithful? Well, at its very core level, it just means to be full of faith, right? To be full of faith. Now, Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter. It gives us a great starting definition for what faith is. Because faith is not blind, even though we often talk about blind faith. Faith is not something about taking a leap into nowhere or into uncertainty, even though we talk about taking a leap of faith. Faith is not illogical. It's not irrational. It's not void of wisdom or thoughtfulness. And so this is what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There's a confidence and there's an assurance that we have in our faith. It means believing that God is who he says he is. And it means believing that he can do what he says he can do. And maybe when we can't see it in the moment, Instead of concluding he's not there or he's not able, instead it's believing that he's still at work in those moments. And you see, this kind of faith then becomes the fuel that we need to be loyal and to be committed to him in the long term. You see, being full of faith means taking action. It's not passive, it's an active kind of faith. It's precisely what James, the, the brother of Jesus, talks about in James chapter 2. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Faith all by itself is not enough. The fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about each week are things that should be evident in our lives, that people around us can see and can witness. And that means they have to be lived out and visible. And what that also means is that faithfulness can be seen. It's not just something we say. It's not just something we believe. It's not just something we feel. Faith is something we do. You know, people can see loyalty. They can see commitment. They can see dedication in how we choose to live our lives. And so James says, faith without works is dead. And that's because of this. The faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit 
of our lives. All right, whatever we have faith in, in our hearts, whatever we're putting our trust in, shows up in what kind of fruit we produce in our lives. And so when we're producing the fruit of the Spirit, it's evidence of our faith in Jesus. When we have faith in God about who he is and what he can do, well, then that causes us, it compels us to live in faithful ways. But you know, here's the brutal truth that I think we all know deep down, and that is that our faithfulness falls short every single day. We're not able to produce that kind of faithfulness in our life on our own, under our own strength, under our own power. And you know, that's a common refrain each week of this series, that these fruits of the Spirit are not something that we can conjure up or create under our own power. You know, if we try to produce this kind of fruit on our own, it's really just like the the plastic imitation fruit that maybe your grandma has on her dining room table. And maybe you've tried to pick one up before and take a bite. It doesn't go well. And so it's only God that can produce this kind of fruit in our life. And that's because God himself is the essence of faithfulness. Everything he does, everything that he is about backs this up. And this is what the apostle Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter two. He says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. See, faithfulness is who God is. And here's the amazing thing. God can produce that same kind of faithfulness in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And that means being obedient to him. It means following his commands day to day. But you know, it's even richer and even better than that because faithfulness, remember, means being full of faith. And so it means obeying God, not just because he said so, but because we believe it's the best way to live. And we believe that what God says will come to pass. It also means that we don't obey him grudgingly, but instead we do it out of love and trust and gratefulness for who he is. Now, there are so many different biblical examples of faithfulness. If you read through the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, you you come across what is often called the hall of faith. It's just this whole list of different biblical people who had incredible faith. But when you read through that list, you'll see that faithfulness looks different in many different ways. It's lived out in different situations, in different circumstances. Faithfulness is dynamic and it's alive. And so you might see as you read through that sometimes faithfulness looks like staying committed to God when things are difficult. And the example is Daniel. Daniel was getting, you know, shot at basically from every direction because of his faith. And yet he stayed faithful to God even when it put his life at risk. Faithfulness can look like doing what God tells us to do. We see that in the story of Noah who built a ship in the desert. People were teasing him and were tearing him down but he was willing to do what God 
said, Moses did what God said when he went and he confronted Pharaoh and he led God's people out of slavery in Egypt. Faithfulness can look like going where God calls you to go. Abraham left his homeland and he followed God's direction. Later, he took his only son Isaac up onto a mountain to sacrifice because God told him to go there. Sometimes faithfulness looks like living the way God calls us to live. It's like Ruth who stayed with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and was faithful to her. Sometimes faithfulness can look like being trustworthy with what God gives to us. And an example is Abel back in the book of Genesis who brought his offering, his pure offering to God. You see, faithfulness can be expressed in so many different dynamic ways. It's not a box to check off. Instead, it's a lifestyle. It's a foundation for all of our life. Now, I think most of us would say faithfulness is a very admirable quality in other people. And perhaps you can think of someone in your life who is exceptionally faithful. Maybe it's someone you can count on no matter what. Someone who is the same no matter what crowd of people they are with. Maybe it's someone who who doesn't say one thing and do another. Or someone who gives undivided attention and is not always looking for something better or something different or to advance their own status or circumstances. Faithfulness is an admirable quality and God wants to produce faithfulness in you and me. So where should we be looking for this in our lives? Where should we be focusing and strengthening our faithfulness? Well, I wanna point out four big areas where we are called to be faithful. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a beginning. But I think these are four important places where we are called to be faithful. So number one, we are called to be faithful to Jesus. Faithfulness to Jesus needs to be our highest priority, our most important focus. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You see, when we are faithful to him, it becomes the filter by which we live our life. Because who or what we are most faithful to determines what we say yes to and what we say no to. It helps set our priorities. It determines where we're gonna invest our time and our resources. And so if we are faithful to Jesus first, well then he helps dictate so many areas of our life. And I think if we seek to be faithful to him first, then all of the other commitments we have in life will fall into their rightful place. Our faithfulness to our spouse and our kids and our parents and our friends. But if we don't put Jesus first, 
well, then it harms our relationship with him and the things of our life are no longer in their rightful order. He says in John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. You see, when we are faithful to Jesus, it means that we trust and we obey. And when we trust and obey him, then it says he will reveal himself to us. Now, I think it's so important that we are continually asking ourselves, are we growing in our relationship with Jesus? And a part of that is, is he revealing himself to us? Are we getting to know him better? And if we're not seeing him in our lives, if we're not growing closer to him, well, then we need to go back to what he says here and to trust him and to obey him, leaning into that relationship, growing in faithfulness. And as we do that, he will reveal himself to us. Well, number two, I think we are called to be faithful in our relationships. You know, really life is all about relationships. We're told that we are to love God and we are to love people. Faithfulness is such an integral part of healthy relationships. And so we need to be faithful in our families. And I think if you're not faithful to your family, then you probably won't be faithful in other aspects of your life. If you're willing to cut corners and not to stay committed to the people closest to you, well, then that's probably going to trickle down into all the other areas of our lives. So we're called to be faithful to our spouses and to our kids and to our parents. Now, of course, adultery is the ultimate act of unfaithfulness. But the thing is, I think adultery actually comes in many different forms. It's easy to say, well, you know, I've never been unfaithful, but you know, you can have an affair with your work. You can have an affair with your bank account. You can have an affair with your chosen hobby and the list goes on and on. And so maybe we should each be asking, how have I been unfaithful to my family. Maybe today is a day to go and ask for forgiveness and to begin with a fresh start. I think we also need to be faithful to our friends. Now, the book of Proverbs has tons of different verses talking about the value and the importance of being a good friend. You know, the thing is, friendship can often be transactional. You know, just about what we can get out of it or get from the other person. You know, sometimes friendships can be critical and negative and they can bring us down, but we are called to be faithful friends, <clears throat> excuse me, who stick with each other, even when life gets messy, to be friends who care and who love and who listen. And you know, if we want to have friends like this and we don't, one of the best things we can do is to go and be the kind of friend that we hope to have. Well, number three, we're called to be faithful with our finances. 
In Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a parable about a money manager who makes some really dicey business decisions. But in the end of this parable, in verses 10 and 11, Jesus says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? See, he's saying, if you aren't faithful with the things of this world, how can you be trusted with true spiritual wealth? I mean, all of our portfolios, our bank accounts, our investments are very temporary but they give a pretty clear picture of where our heart is. You see, real lasting riches, eternal riches, are the spiritual blessings and opportunities and responsibilities that God blesses us with. But you know, perhaps one of the reasons that we sometimes don't feel rich spiritually is that we haven't been faithful with our earthly finances. You know, I think oftentimes we get the order wrong. We say, you know, I'll get things right spiritually and then I'll expect God to bless me financially. But you know, Jesus here is saying that's completely backwards. Instead, get your earthly riches in order and then God will bless you spiritually. He's gonna trust you with a little And when we are faithful with what we are given, then he will lavish his spiritual blessings upon us. And so the question for each one of us today is, are you being faithful with what God has entrusted to your care? Well, then fourth and finally, we are called to be faithful to the church. Now, I don't mean just Calvary. I mean the universal church, the body of, of Christ. You see, being faithful to the body of Christ means more than just occasionally coming to a worship service. No, it means doing life together, building each other up, encouraging and motivating each other in our walk with Jesus. It means not just looking at church as a consumer. No, we don't come to church for just what we can get or to get what we like but instead we should come and contribute and offer and serve and give to build up the kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So are you being faithful to the body of Christ? Are you willing to set aside your own opinions and preferences and wants and desires so that more people can hear the good news? Are you building others up and encouraging them? Or are you complaining and bringing people down? You see, our faithfulness is a response to God's faithfulness to us. And the reality is our faithfulness is not very faithful oftentimes. 
Our own commitment and loyalty is not as strong as it should be. So how do we keep growing in our faithfulness? How do we continue to to see the Holy Spirit produce this fruit in our lives? Well, I think we can start by simply being obedient in the things that God has given us to do today. Just to focus in, what are the things that God has called us to do today? We need to be faithful in the small things. Remember, Jesus said, if you're faithful in the small things, then you can be trusted to be faithful in the big things. And so start by being faithful in small decisions, things that feel insignificant, but things that you can do with integrity, things that you can do to please God. Be faithful in the small things, but also be faithful in secret things. You know, there is so much that we keep hidden in our lives. There are so many things that we don't want others to know about or to see. And so are you being faithful in the secret things, those things that others don't know about you? I think if we focus here on what God has put in front of us, be faithful in the small things, be faithful in the secret things, we'll see God move in an incredible way. Now, Lamentations 3 has this incredible passage. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Church, God's faithfulness to us never ends. And we can see it best in his love and his mercy each and every day. What an incredible gift of grace we have been given. Really, all we can do in response is to live faithfully for him. Now, the thing is, when we fall short, the good news is that his mercies are new every single day. And what that means is no matter what your story is, today you have the opportunity to get back on his path and to walk with him again. Maybe it means today that you take your very first step of faith. No matter where you're at, his mercies are new every day. God's faithfulness is most visible and it's most clear in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And because of his grace and his forgiveness, we are free to follow him. Every day he is faithful to us. Every day he is faithful to his promises and he will be faithful to produce faithfulness in us that will glorify him and it will bless all the people in our life. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are a faithful God, that you can do what you say you can do, and that you are who you say you are. And so God, help us to trust you more each day. 
God, we ask your Holy Spirit to fill us and to produce in us your kind of fruit. God, produce in us your kind of faithfulness so that we can go and live faithful lives in all of our relationships. God, help us to trust you and to obey you in every area of our life. And God, help us to be faithful in the small things and help us to be faithful in the secret things. Help us to walk closely to you and to experience your mercy newly each and every day. And so God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and for your faithfulness. And we pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.